Hello and welcome everyone to the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. I am your very well-dressed tonight host, Cape Joel. I didn't do this purposely, I had a previous dinner engagement that I was at and I just stayed dressed because I figured there was no point in changing before the show. What, a, what about you, Matt? I, I I'm dressed as as I'm normally dressed for the for the show, um, but uh, yeah, you you you're dressed much nicer than I'm dressed. I mean, you know, maybe this should be the new normal for the comic <laughs> multiverse heading into a hundred episodes. After all, we are the classiest fucking comic book podcast that I personally know of. So maybe <laughs> maybe we should all just suit it up. Maybe you know it should be formal black tie from here on out, and not even us, the people listening there. You you guys should dress up in formal wear, too, to listen to us. It can be a whole new thing. I'm talking, like, the whole nine yards. I want to see, like, cumberbuns and top hats and <laughs> monocles and shit. We could wear, wear our fancy tracksuits. Oh, the fanciest of tracksuits. I can't believe I haven't worn a tracksuit yet on this thing. I've actually given a little bit more of a shit. One of, one of those shirts that have, like, the, the, the suit pattern on them oh yes man my ideal thing for cape joel comic multiverse merch <laughs> moving into the future is i want the comic multiverse tracks it with like our logo on the back and everything <laughs> that's the dream you know logo on back and maybe like little one over one of the like over the hearts you know that's 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 <laughs> that's the real end game for this youtube comic book criticism podcast or game is i just want custom-made tracksuits <laughs> it's all I want. Is that too much to ask in this crazy workaday world? Is just some track suits for me? <laughs> eh, that's fine. That's fine. I think we can live with that. So, wh what have you been up to, Matt? I've gotten into what I was doing. Um, well, we're going to talk about a little bit of what I was going to be doing a little later on in the show. We're both, since we both did sort of the exact same thing. Um, but not really much. I've been playing that um Assassin's Creed Origins oh, yes, that came Egyptian out this one. week. I'll probably pick that yeah. up at Christmas when the price goes down. Yeah, I I, I managed to get it because I had a coupon for Green Man Gaming, so I got <sighs> it kind of cheap. But um, I I kind of enjoy it. This this and Watch Dogs Two have both been games where Ubisoft have kind of turned it around a little bit and made games that are actually kind of fun to play. It helped, I think, that they took like a year off and like really buckled down on Assassin's yeah. Creed, changed up the combat. It's more like Zelda now. You've got stamina and a shield and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not like your usual Assassin's Creed games at all. How's that? How's the story? Because I know you and I always complain about the same thing. Like, you'll just get going with your fantasy, you know, time travel story there, and you'll love the era, and you'll love everything you're doing, then boom, hey, come to the present and pay attention to these idiots. Well, so far I've only had one... I'm not that far in the game, but I've only had one future present sort of thing and it was like five minutes long and it was like good. it was it was only that long because i was only fucking around and looking around the cave and everything good. i could have just learning. gone straight back into the game they're learning because it's like here's the thing yeah. i think they would have dumped the whole future storytelling angle of the assassin's creed games if they didn't need it to placate the super fans who actually do care about the lore and be to feed into all the like multimedia shit that they do because yeah. like assassin's creed is more than just games it's books and mobile games and comics and all this other shit and that story needs to come from somewhere exactly yeah yeah I, i'll definitely pick that one up i want to pick that one up i do actually want to pick up the new call of duty because it's back to world war ii i don't play every call of duty i play like maybe every other one 
Yeah, I, I don't know about this one. It's World War Two. I've been playing Battlefield One, and that one's been keeping me entertained. So that one's really good. Yeah. yeah. That one's really nice, can't it? It's but I did I did watch someone play like the first five minutes of the new Call of Duty, and it's like, oh hey, we're back in World War Two. What what, what 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 part of the war are we gonna be seeing? Where where are we starting off? Oh oh, five minutes in, and you're already on the beaches of Normandy. Fuck. Oh god, they're doing that again. That's, that's like every every World War Two game does that. I think collectively in video games. We've stormed the beaches of Normandy for way longer than the actual beach of Normandy raid. <laughs> it's like, you know there were other beaches than Normandy, right? You could go to Juno Beach or any of these other beaches. <laughs> Maybe there was other stuff happening at the other beaches. Did you think about that? Yeah, but those ones weren't in a very popular war movie. No, arguably the most popular war movie and arguably the most famous mm. scene. Yep. You know what would be fucked up? They would never, ever do it because it would mean you would have to play as the Axis power. But I would kind of love a scenario where you're like a <clears> German <throat> commander and you wake up in the morning on Normandy and be like, oh, time to make my coffee. <laughs> you know, time to have a schnitzel or whatever it is German soldiers back then did. Oh, la di da di da Looks out front there. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's happening <laughs> today. Oh, no. What do I do? Oh, no. <laughs> I I wouldn't mind seeing something like that. I know in like the older Call of Duty games, they let you be like the Soviets during like the Battle of Stalingrad, and you, you see like your own commanders killing your own men because they won't fight and everything. But they need to go back to that sort of stuff. Hell, one of my favorite moments, I think it was uh, Call of Duty World at War, where you got to see the the really unpopular campaigns, the ones where like there was no clear winner and loser. You, mm -hmm. you played as the Americans in the Pacific campaign, basically getting butchered in the jungles of Asia. And then you played the Russians doing the final push into Germany. And, like, the final shot of that is you literally planting the Soviet flag in the Reichsmark. I'm like, that's pretty metal. Yeah, that was a pretty good game. That's pretty freaking cool. And, and weirdly, the guy you play as in that, Reznov, whatever, kept coming back for more Call of Duties in the future ones. They kept making reference yeah. to him. Yeah, that, that yeah, he was like involved in like uh the was the follow up Black Ops and everything. It was yeah, so yeah. weird. Yeah, that there's like no no no, it's like you got to play these three games together cuz they actually form a trilogy and it's like what? Yeah, and he was voiced by Gary Oldman. Yes, yes, he was, which was probably another reason that I liked it, because frickin' Commissioner Sirius Black was whispering in my ear in a Russian voice. <laughs> telling me to take that hill, damn it. I'm like, sir, yes, sir. Also, Kiefer Sutherland was the American commander in that one. Yeah, drunkenly getting through his lines yeah. in that. Ah, 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 we're gonna we're gonna take this encampment, then we're gonna find a Christmas tree. Did you ever hear that? I was just, I was, I was just about to say he's gonna go fight a Christmas tree. But man, where's Kiefer Sutherland's Christmas special? That's something we should riff this year. Kiefer Sutherland versus the Christmas tree. <laughs> I want to watch the fuck out of that one. Actually, uh, for people wondering, we we're gonna do riffs again this year, and I think it's gonna be special because we're lining up some guests. And I also, I think I've picked out something wonderfully, wonderfully horrible for us to do. <laughs> Ooh. Like, this is brain-meltingly bad. Like, this is like, man, I thought I could scrape the bottom of the bucket no more. Little did I know there's a sub-bucket on this bucket. <laughs> there's a hidden trapdoor underneath the bucket. There's a whole new layer of bullshit <laughs> to talk about. And it's something that's brand new, actually, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, this is gonna be good. This is gonna be good. 
Yeah. And you know what else is going to be good? So because there's basically no news worth talking about this week, <clears throat> I went out to the fans, I went out to the comic multiverse universe, and I solicited some questions. So should we talk about them? I think we should. Very good. So starting things off, we have It's Not My Favorite, longtime follower, longtime Twitter commentator, uh, with a very interesting question. What is our favorite new costume? He says he's particularly fond of Miss Marvel and uh, the new Wally West costume. And I gotta say, if you're gonna pick two newer costumes, those might be like the best two. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the new Wally West costume, the, the all red, uh, looks really cool. I really like that one. Um, With the silver piping yeah. and, like, his hair yeah. out to, like, show, yes, I'm redheaded Wally. It's very nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I like Riri Williams' Iron Man armor as well as Victor Von Doom's Iron Man armor. I th they're I think pretty slick. They're simple, but they look really great. They really do, especially Dooms is just like instantly like, yep, that's what Doctor Doom would look like if he was Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, sp sticking with villains there, uh, Deathstroke's new white and black Defiance costume. I don't know if you would call that a brand new costume or just like a reskin of an old one, but that one's pretty cool. Yeah, that that's a pretty cool costume. That's a really nice touch. I can tell you <clears> one I don't like. I don't like the new Taskmaster. What's he look like? I haven't seen him yet. He looks ugly. If you read Spider-Man 2, or if you read, I think, uh, Secret Warriors, he shows up in there. And for some reason, just after Secret Empire, he started wearing a vastly inferior costume for no reason. Okay, then. I, I, I like that um, that Captain America's back to a more classic costume. No, no, that padded sort uh. of look that 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 was going around for a while yeah yeah he's he's slimmed back down yeah no uh no more padding De definitely looks classic that's for sure well uh yeah. what uh i, I mean i guess because you know because we're gonna the tail end of the show is going to be talking about thor and everything what uh what did you think of that new captain america from mark wade i thought it was fantastic I absolutely it fantastic it was nice it was very good you can see why wade and captain america are kind of a match made in heaven what i like about it is, you know, it's a classic Captain America story for those who want it, but he also uh, sneaks in a little political <laughs> subtext in there, too, if you're willing to look for it. Yeah, and, and Cap is a character who, who, who is meant to get political, because, oh, yeah. I mean, he dresses he dresses in the American he flag. There's a flag, <laughs> which so many people seem to miss. But, uh, yeah, so moving on from there, we have Mike Rogers, yet another longtime listener, commenter, questioner, and his question this week is, who is the hairiest man in comics that isn't Bigfoot? Oh, well, Wolverine's pretty goddamn hairy. I know. Um, well, since we are just talking about it, I'm just going to throw in, like, a real person, and that's Jason Aaron. Oh, yeah, Jason Aaron, man. <laughs> just man in comics in general, have you seen his face? Granted, I don't think he's <laughs> as beardy as he used to be, but, yeah, he's right up there. He's definitely right up there. Yeah. Uh, Denny O'Neill-era Batman was pretty goddamn hairy, too, when he yeah. was fighting in the desert. Him and Rachel Ghoul were both just suitably hairy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Jurgen's '90s Superman was. Ooh, yeah. With the mullet. <laughs> That's hairy, man. That's super hairy. I mean, Harry Osborn's a pretty hairy guy in comics as well. It's right there in his name. You can't get away from it. <laughs> also, him and his dad had weird Ditko hair. Like, what is that? Like, it's not quite cornrows. It's not quite like what was that? 
I yeah, it's it, it's a really weird. It looks really cool, but like it it looks weird when you think about it. Like, what the hell is it? I don't think any human being has that haircut. I don't think I could go into the barber shop and be like, I would like the Harry Osborne, please give me one of those. They just like cut little rows into your head. <laughs> I'd look like a weirdo, but I would get the reference. <laughs> That's the important thing. Also, uh, what is it? Mike Rogers says, not counting Bigfoot. I think he means not counting Sasquatch of, uh, what is it, Alpha Flight. Yeah, or Wendigo. Or Wendigo. Oh, man, Wendigo. That's a lot of hair. Heck, even even Puck, even the little dude on uh, Alpha <laughs> Flight is really fucking hairy, as all Canadians are. Yeah, Alpha Flight's just full of hairy people. As most Canadians are. Uh, what, uh, well, here's one for you. Beast, that's a dude who's covered in hair. Yeah, in and out of like beast mode. <laughs> in and out of beast mode, exactly. And also, hey, what's what's the deal with Nightcrawler? Sometimes they say he's covered in fuzz. Does fuzz count as hair? Yeah, it, or the, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, because sometimes he's blue skin, sometimes he's fairy. Yeah, sometimes they make a point of being like, yes, it's very much blue skin. Other times it's like, no, he's covered in a very fine fuzz, like a peach. Yeah. Which, you know, they, uh, they, they denied my pitch for that, Nightcrawler... <laughs> Uh, what is it, as a new spokesperson for Peaches of America, they didn't want that. <laughs> They're like, no, nah, we think he sends the wrong message, what would looking like Satan. <laughs> couldn't couldn't let that one fly, unfortunately. Uh, here's an, another interesting question here from Elijah Green. What is the best comic series you are reading right now, and have there been any that really disappointed you in 2017 so far? See, this is the sort of good question I wish I could think about, because I feel like I'm going to say something, and it's going to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's the same. The, the, the problem I, I think we both have is that we both review comics it's true. that we both, both like. We don't review comics we don't like. It's true. If so we every... don't like it, we don't read it for very long. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm just going to say the new Superman stuff from Tomasi is really great. It's been killer Has been, so far. Um, bad? I I don't really know. I mean, I'm kind of disappointed by King's Batman. I feel like it never quite clicks for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a little bit disappointed with um, X-Men, Gold for, mm. X-Men Gold for a little bit there because right. it, it didn't know what it wanted to be. Uh, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, I loved that one when it started because it was such a funny uh, breath of fresh air. Then it went downhill a little bit and it got a little boring, but oh man, the issue they had this week blew my goddamn socks off. It was basically J. Jonah Jameson forcing Spider-Man into an uh, interview with him for his, like, Infowars-style blog. (laughs) And then it ends with Peter being like, wow, you know... Jameson and me, our lives are so intertwined and we've been doing this just like endless circle of tragedy where we hurt each other over and over again without even really meaning to. And he reveals his identity to Jameson. Oh, shit. Yeah. Now, it's implied that Jameson doesn't quite believe him where he's like, oh, this is just a sick trick on me, you know, Parker, you know, why you gotta make fun of me and everything. Uh, okay then. <laughs> Which I think that's their way out, but if it's not, that's still pretty freaking amazing, and it sends a really strong message for Peter to be like, look, you know, I'm not this threat, I'm not this menace, I'm not this, you know, coward that you think I am. Ta-da, I'm a guy you've known for years. <laughs> it, was a, it was a nice bit. I definitely got me back on board with this story. It was really, really well done. Cool, cool. Uh, speaking of uh, Spider-Man, actually, our good friend Trent Alton Brown asks us, have you guys been keeping up with the new Spider-Man cartoon? I have not watched any of it. 
Um, which one's that? And there's like like a dozen. The the newest one, I think, the one they've just started doing. Is it that one that I think I saw some like 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 trailers or something for it? it didn't look like something I was interested in. It's it Marvel's Spider Man. It's like I, again, I I know it's I hate it when they do this because they did this with the. Uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes 2 or whatever they had, like, little shorts before the actual thing started. I watched one of the shorts, and the voices sounded so wrong to me, I never went back. <laughs> That's probably what I saw. It was, like, something to do in the subway or something. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, f- fighting a criminal in a subway or something. Yeah, I watched that, too, and he had, like, his, uh, was it, like, his low homemade suit and everything on it was like yeah. right before homecoming had come out i kept meaning to start watching it but no i never kept watching what really did my head in and fucked me up about that is that josh keaton the guy who voices spider-man and spectacular spider-man is in the new spider-man show but he's not spider-man even though he's using his spider-man voice <laughs> who's he playing uh, I think he's playing like uh, what is it? The, the, he's playing like a scientist. I think he's playing a guy who might become Spider Slayer or something. No, oh, I can then. And it's really distracting to me. Like every time he opened his yeah. mouth, I'm like, "You're Spider Man. Why is your voice coming out of this guy?" <laughs> it's all an illusion. They've switched bodies. <laughs> Man, if that was the twist, I'd be all about that. I would be <laughs> all about that. But uh, yeah. Now, uh, I, what is it? Uh, Trent actually asked two questions back-to-back, and his second question was also interesting, so I want to answer this one, too. Uh, with uh, Flash seemingly writing Wally West off, do you think there's a chance that he might pop up again in that live-action Teen Titans show if they do one? Uh, probably not. Yeah, I think it's highly unlikely for a number of reasons. One, I'm pretty sure uh, Kid Flash getting written off the Flash show was at the actor's request. I think he's going through a lot of stuff in real life, if I'm to understand correctly, and this is like him needing to take a breather. And two, that, like, Titans show has been in development for so long now, and it's on an app, and I don't even know if it's going to be connected to the CW universe. In a perfect world, yeah, it would be awesome if he showed up on that show as Kid Flash, but I sincerely doubt it. Yeah, no, I don't think he's going to be. I think he's just going to he's going to come back to the Flash when he's ready. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that episode of Flash uh, from last week. Uh, we actually got to see the elongated man show up, or should I say, Plastic Man? I don't know. Yeah, this wasn't this wasn't Ralph Dibney from the comics. This this was Plastic Man. He he has elongated man's name. They call him Ralph Dibney, but oh my God, is he Elo Brian Plastic Man? Yeah, yeah, they they even make a reference at the end, they want to call him Plastic Man. They even did. I wonder if they knew they wanted a stretchy hero, but didn't think either Plastic Man or Elongated Man were interesting enough on their own, and as such, they just fused the two characters together. Well, well as was as I said on, on Twitter when I was watching the episode, they, some exec who has no idea what they're talking about said, like, get me that stretchy guy from the DC Comics. He's he's the one in Injustice at the moment. And yeah, and everyone, everyone thought it was Elongated Man. No, 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 I meant the other one. I meant the funny one from Dark Knight. Oh, you mean Plastic Man. Oh, shit. Well, <laughs> we can't go back now. <laughs> I guess we're just stuck with it. To to the actor's credit, I thought he was funny and did a good job, even though every time yeah. I looked at him and every time they did too many close-ups of him, I thought he had a real serious case of David Tennant face. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was watching the episode as well, and I was like, this guy looks like someone I know. Who does he look like? He's got a lot That's of it, David, David Tennant, Tennant in him. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's it's like they cloned David Tennant, but he didn't come out all the way done, and they're like, ah, good enough. He came out stretchy. <laughs> he came out stretchy and American, and they're like, ah, fuck, what do we do? Do we start over? Nah, nah, we gotta start filming. Put him, put him up yeah. in there. I, I do like the idea that he is, like, a cop that had, like, a former history with Barry Allen, and it brings in, like, his own ideas about justice and due process and everything. Yeah, I, I do like that they build him up as a character we're not meant to actually like to begin with. Yes. Like, this guy was a real shit heel. Yeah, very, very rare for the Flash show to be like, no, 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 you're actually not supposed to like him. You're actually not supposed to be sure where he stands. Uh Funny, too, the mayor in this episode actually has a very interesting Flash connection. We see that he was actually a cop to the mayor at one point. That's because he actually did play a uniform detective on the 90s Flash show. (laughs) And now they brought back the same actor with the same character name, and now he's mayor. Oh, that's cool. That was funny. I'm like, wow, that that is a deep pull. Jeez, it's just like Mark Hamill and the Trickster and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Trickster, I wonder, will we see Trickster this season, or is Mark Hamill probably too busy with Star Wars now to come back? Uh, Once once he's done all the stuff with Star Wars, I imagine we might see him come back before he starts the next one. Yeah, I, I think we do need to see him again. His Trickster was just way too much fun. Yeah. I mean, heck, even if they use, like, the kid trickster, like the younger one, and Hamill literally phones in his performance, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> like, he literally phones it in from the set of Star Wars, like he has better shit to do. <laughs> the set of Star Wars that doubles as Iron Heights. <laughs> that too, absolutely. All right, now, uh, Slappy D. Happy wrote a bunch of questions, which is my own fault, because I said, yeah, I mean, he he asked, can I ask multiple questions? I'm like, yes, you can. I can't promise I'll (laughs) say every one, but I'll read them. So let me just look through all these questions he asked and see if I can find a winner. X-Men Rights, Avengers 3, (laughs) Properties, differently. Well, we're going to be talking about that later. Uh, here I'll, I'll take this last one here what would you like to see from the dceu after aquaman next year uh i don't know and it's clear they don't know either as everything is up in the air at the moment no i imagine that once we once justice league comes out what next week or something yes um they'll and they'll see how that does first because i think they've said that they want to see how that does before they go on with movies like flashpoint and whatever we'll get some other announcement of some other movie they can add to the list of 15 or so movies that they're apparently making i mean aquaman has to happen that's filming that's like that's gonna be a thing we can't get away from that one but everything else is up in the air i mean i guess i want to see wonder woman too because wonder woman was the one i liked yeah, but see, the thing is, it's weird because they can't do a movie because they said that she was away from mankind for a hundred years. But now they've gone back on that, but they haven't, though. Yeah, she's and, in a weird bit of continuity. Would her movie take place in modern day? Would they need to retcon a reason for it to take place in the past? Let's just make it modern day and, you know, bring maybe bring back the God of War or something. Mm-hmm. Or his not children. Played, not played by Professor Lupin, though. No, 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 not by Professor Lupin. I mean, uh, Ares had kids, Demos, and all the other ones. It would be fun to see Wonder yeah. Woman fight like a bunch of demigods like herself. 
they were just in the comics in the first arc of the new Wonder Woman, so... There you go. There you go. They're characters, and they have fun designs. Yeah. Hell, build a whole movie around Medusa. There's a great story called Wonder Woman vs. the Gorgon, and it's amazing. Yeah, you do that. Do, do one with Cheetah. Cheetah, I mean, obviously that's... Cheetah, Cheetah just had a really, really, really good story with Wonder Woman and their relationship and everything. Base it on that. Cheetah is basically like the next logical step. I mean, usually that's the thing they do, right? You do a non-main villain for the first one, then you do the villain everyone knows in the second one, or sometimes wait till the third one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Amazing Zero, again, another <clears> long-time <throat> commenter and question asker, says, if you got a chance to pitch an all-new animated series uh, for your preferred time period uh, or of Marvel at DC, what would, what would you pitch? And it has to be at least six episodes. Hmm. Ooh, I don't know. I've been saying forever, I think uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man from Nick Spencer would make a really funny, like, six-episode yeah. animated Netflix thing. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Like, again, it would be a Spider-Man property. You could put Spider-Man in the title, but Spider-Man only ever hangs out in the periphery. He never actually shows up until the very end. Yeah, I'd, I'd like a... um. Like like what they did in the nineties with Spawn on HBO, I'd like a show like that, mm, that would but be with nice. but with Midnighter. Ooh, that would be really good. Yeah. Oh, I'm all about that. Uh, also, hey, that uh, new Black Bolt series everyone is uh, loving so much. I read the first issue just recently, enjoyed it. That could make a really good six episode animated thing. Just do a super faithful uh, adaptation of the first arc. Yeah, the, yeah, the first arc is six six issues so there yeah. you go <laughs> every issue is an episode there you go you're done <laughs> hey tell you what use use the comic as storyboards how about that <laughs> no we can't do that that's what uh they did for sin city and the uh storyboard union got really pissed <laughs> off oh no they're like look you can't fucking cut us out of the equation like that <laughs> there are rules if you start doing it everybody's gonna start doing it <laughs> oh, man, speaking of new series that they're thinking of picking up, did you hear about this, that apparently Amazon says, look, we think we have the next Game of Thrones killer. We think we have the thing that could be the next great Game of Thrones show. It's called Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's never been done before. Never, never. been done before, to our knowledge. Yeah, you go. As a TV show, it could work, because it, it is something that, that requires kind of long form. Mm. Uh, the movies did it really well, though, so... Yeah, I don't. They wouldn't be very well do you, received. Do you just do the ones? That, <clears throat> do you just do the main three that everyone knows? You know, uh, Return of the King, all the other stuff. Do you do that? Do you start with the Hobbit and work forward, or do you go all the fucking way back and do the Cimmerillion? Yeah, yeah. Do the Cimmerillion first. The Cimmerillion is oh. what everyone wants. Apparently, what I want is what it, I want is a really good book. It's the only thing that's never been filmed. So there you go, and be like, okay, here's the big weighty history of Middle Earth as explained via the Cimmerillion. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And here's Morgoth and Sauron before he became <laughs> Sauron and all this other stuff. Yeah, gods and elder gods and all weird shit. And all the different colored wizards. <laughs> There's some blue guys in there, apparently, I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, you could talk about them, because, yeah. 
next one we got here. Marios, that's his name, is asking, what do you think of Ultimate Marvel Universe's approach to portraying a post-9-11 world for superheroes? Really good. I think that was one of the best aspects about it. I think it did it wonderfully. Yeah, I, I really, I didn't read all of the Ultimate stuff. I read some, I. most of it, though. But yeah, they did it pretty well. Yeah, it's one of the best things about it. I mean, I wonder if you were to try and do the Ultimate Universe again, like what major event would you like have to base it on? Be like, what would superheroes be like post blank? I wonder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, say it was good. It was good. It's real good. Uh, what else do we have going on here? Uh. Live to Rock has a good question, but that's a really long question that we would have to research. He's saying top five Marvel slash DC long runs that were over 12 issues at least. Great God. question, but we don't have time to do homework. <laughs> but that's a good question, Live to Rock. That, that was good. If we had more time, Matt and I would talk about that one. Uh, ooh, ooh, One Punch Sloss with a good one. Uh, favorite sitcom? uh ever or current or i i think he means ever he uh he listed some old ones Ooh. Uh, i mean that's you, pretty hard you can't discount seinfeld i mean seinfeld is still yeah. one of the funniest shows all this time later and it's on like yeah. four times a day if you have a good cable package yeah seinfeld the office mm. um parks and rec was pretty good oh yeah Parks and Rec was very funny. Uh, here's one that I sing the praises of all the time, and I don't know if anyone has seen it or remembers it. If you haven't, you can watch all of it on YouTube because they've uploaded the whole thing. Titus from Fox, based on the stand-up of Christopher Titus. It's probably one of the darkest, most like mean-spirited comedies they've ever done. But man, was it funny, and man, was it filmed really smart. Every episode was a bottle episode where they never left one location. Oh, that's pretty cool. Really well done. And it's also one of the things, too, where it's like, well, why have I never heard of this show? Why was it never released on DVD? Because uh, Christopher Titus got into a fight with the head of Fox at the time. That's why. <laughs> he pissed off the head of Fox and yet made it three seasons. So there you go. <laughs> Stacy Keach played his dad. Also, Stacy Keach was the voice of the Phantasm from Mask of the Phantasm. So wrap your mind around that. <laughs> Pretty fucking good. Oh, what other sitcoms did I really enjoy? Um, I mean, obviously, Cheers. That's another one everyone really loves. Yeah, I, I, I'm like the only person in the world who enjoys Silicon Valley. Is Silicon Valley a sitcom? Yeah, yeah, it's a sitcom. Is it a sitcom it's, or is it one of those more hour-long comedies now that have become uh, popular? Like Vice Principals is like an hour-long comedy. No, nah, it's 20-minute comedy. It's it's a comedy satire. Right. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what was another one I feel like I missed? Oh, oh, All in the Family. I thank my father for making me watch All in the Family, which was basically like the South Park of its day, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was pretty great. Oh, shit, uh, Golden Girls. Golden Girls is really fucking funny. <laughs> like, surprisingly <laughs> funny. Like, if you've never saw Golden Girls and you're like, that doesn't look like a show for me, Trust me, you'll find something to like about it, and some of your favorite comedy writers cut their teeth writing for that show. Yeah, I, um, I know we have a lot of British fans, so I'm going to say Black Adder. Oh, Black Adder. Oh, shit, if we can do that. The IT crowd. Mm, mm. The original IT crowd, not yes. the US cancer. God damn, that was thing. a bad show. <laughs> God, it's like, oh, we'll put Joel McHale in it and people will like it. Oh, a community, a show Joel McHale was in that was actually <laughs> funny. I, I actually just went back and rediscovered community 
as of recently because you know catching the whole like rick and morty thing it's like oh well what was the genesis of all of this where where, where did this start yeah we have that for, to thank for rick and morty we have that to thank or to blame depending on who you ask <laughs> which i love rick and morty not to be a hipster i loved it first although as of recent events have made me wonder why <laughs> yeah, why why again <laughs> also the bad fans of rick and morty better watch out because uh dan Harmon and justin roiland are famously finicky and sensitive and if they feel that like more than 50 percent of their audience is assholes they will stop <laughs> they will literally kill the show like they've made their money they'll get their hot topic and dvd residuals they will kill the show and do something else mark my words <laughs> Yeah, and then when that show gets famous and the fans go all crazy, they'll cancel that and do something else. Yeah. The cycle oh, no. continues. Uh, perfect example of like you know how uh, finicky a guy like Dan Harmon is. He used to do a big podcast like you know on a stage and everything, but mm -hmm. uh, what is it due to like recent events and everything and certain fire code and shit? He's doing it in a studio now, and I'm like, oh shit, he's already pulling back from the public eye. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. That's not good. Soon it soon it will be exactly like us where we sit in our yeah. rooms on on a camera. It'll be it'll be just like that. So don't say we didn't <laughs> warn you everybody. <laughs> don't say we didn't warn you. Uh Jared Williams asks us, uh are you hopeful for a true green arrow in the movies? No, in fact I'm less hopeful now than ever because of Arrow's continued success will A never get green arrow in a movie and B will especially never get green arrow the way I want him. Yeah, Arrow's continued success with a question mark after it. Yeah. Um, like, a question mark and explanation point. Um, mm. yeah, we, we, yeah, we probably won't ever get a Green Arrow on big screen. If we were, it'll be like, it'll, it'll have to be like a decade from now. It'll have to be like two decades from now. Like, once the memory of the other show begins to fade. Because it's, it's too stuck now in the public consciousness for a whole generation of people. Stephen Amell is Green Arrow, or Arrow, or GA, or whatever. Yeah, whatever they're calling him that particular week. I, I feel calling him Green Arrow is a lot like calling that American Godzilla Godzilla. It's not. It's Zilla. <laughs> it's kind of an insult to everything that came before to call him that. And yes, I know Green Arrow has its fans or the Arrow show has its fans, that's not a slight against you. I'm only speaking for myself. <laughs> okay, we cool? We cool. All right. <laughs> You're not, because you just openly attack them, you know? <laughs> I you said something bad about the show. <laughs> when you attack a show I like, you attack my personal identity. Because <laughs> I am not complete enough as a person, don't you know? <laughs> Need to fill my life with this. Uh, Citizen Cinema, to quickly veer away from that topic, asks us, uh, for you guys, uh, when Star Wars Rebels eventually finishes, what era of Star Wars would you like to see the team tackle for their new show? I think we talked about this a little, Matt, and God, it's so sad that Rebels is coming to an end because it's so good and the last episodes have been so good. Yeah, it's coming to an end very soon. Yes, it is because they're doing two episodes a week now. Yeah, yeah, very, very soon. Um, I don't know, I'd like to see something set like maybe between episodes four and five mm. like in that in that universe because we've just done a show where the rebels can't do anything against the empire now let's do, move to one where they've had a couple of wins and now they're sort of taking everything back from the empire and it's just before return of the jedi that would be very interesting to actually see them like go 
to all the different Empire-controlled planets and try and change the hearts and minds and kind of play with this idea where it's like, look, just because you defeated the Empire or just because you defeated the Emperor doesn't mean the Emperor or the whole thing is just going to die or anything. There are people who are still going to be loyal to that old way of thinking. There's some people who were going to feel that they were better under Empire control. Yeah, yeah, I know the upcoming Battlefront 2 and, like, some of the books that have come out have, have been dealing with that as well. Like, just because the Emperor has been defeated and the Death Star blew up doesn't mean they all just go away. In fact, they might be more dangerous now because they've splintered off into a bunch of different uncontrollable factions. Yep. And yep. now they have nothing to lose as they themselves all jockey for control. Mm-hmm, yep. Might be interesting if, you know, they've shown that they're so good with canon and everything to be like, okay, let's follow a group of characters now in uncharted space that we've never seen before. So let's deal with all new, all planet races that we're building from the ground up now. That'd be pretty cool. Tell you what, do, they've already done like the the legwork for you. You've got that that game that EA foolishly cancelled. Yes. They had all these characters all set up, all their backstories set up. Use those characters. Yeah. Do something with that, and that can be your new jumping off point. Also, I I doubt they would never do it because it's probably too close to shit they're gonna want to write. I would like to see a look into like Luke's Force Academy or like that group of students that he all trains up and everything, and how they eventually go nuts. Yeah, I have a feeling we're probably going to get some stuff after the new movie comes out on that. Yeah, that that definitely seems to be a movie thing. Uh, it would also be cool to see, like uh, again, you know, like you said, something in between, like the end of the OG trilogy and the beginning of this brand new trilogy, to be like, well, okay, what mm -hmm. happened before the new order came together and everything? What was the universe <laughs> looking like? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like they again. They would never do it because it would need to be on Disney Channel. I want, like, a show based on Narshada and, like, a bunch of huts and everything and the people in the bars and the cantina and just do, like, you know, Star Wars noir. So Star Wars Un Underworld. Star Wars Underworld is a project yes. that, that George Lucas has written, like, 60 or so scripts for. Yes, and but they're, but they're too expensive for TV. Hey, you know, so yeah, they, they have them, they have them, but they, they, they can't make them. Take the scripts and animate them. You can do so much in animation that you can't do in live action. Just saying. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't you all like that if the scripts are just sitting there? <laughs> then again, they're George Lucas written scripts. So it's like, so then Boopy Booba comes out. <laughs> really? Is that the yeah. name you went with, George? Every every episode has like a character who's funnier than the last. <laughs> Everyone is Jar Jar in this universe. <laughs> That's the real problem with it. Everyone is Jar Jar. Man, man, I love the story they made for Jar Jar in this new canon. Oh, really? What was the story? So he did all that stuff in episodes one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. Was basically the reason why the Emperor got power and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and he, the people of of Naboo shunned him for all <laughs> that and all that sort of stuff. So he ends up becoming like a. Um, Street like a street performer clown right. in, in, in in theater and ends up befriending a little boy because no one else will talk to him except this little boy. He becomes a destitute hobo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just 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 a couple rungs up from like you know sucking dick for coke on the street, basically, or, or, or death sticks. Sorry, death sticks. That's the drug of choice in this universe. <laughs> He's that close to He's just a few rungs up for it. He's a couple setbacks from being down there. 
Uh, that's great. It's nice to know they hate Jar Jar as much as we hate Jar Jar. <laughs> and uh, our last question before we hop into the main event, which is, of course, uh, what is it? Our big spoiler cast of Thor Ragnarok. Uh, our good buddy and frequent collaborator, Mitch, says, when will Inhumans let me die? Never, never, Mitch. It, never, it won't let us die. No, no, it will keep you forever to taste your horror and to taste your pain <laughs> is what it is. It prefers it that way, in fact. <laughs> it's, it's got one more episode left. It finishes this week, and thank God it does. <laughs> it's like the hand with Daredevil, Mitch. It will kill you only to resurrect you and kill you again and again <laughs> and again. Your torment will be never-ending. <laughs> That's what I, I hope that answers. <laughs> on, on the episode, <laughs> on the episode that had just happened, um, they brought Triton back because they, they remembered he existed oh, um, well, for nice. some reason. Um, and they, they they explained it away as like he was hiding because Black Bolt told him to. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's bullshit. But how, how the did way he tell him to hide, did he sign it? Did he <laughs> write it on a piece of paper? <laughs> he used that shitty comlink thing that they oh, have. Yeah, um, that only works sometimes. Yeah, um, but he, his his epic return was so fucking funny because they literally tied like a mannequin to like a boat and like towed it along, <laughs> it, like the bay, and to like make it look like he was swimming. I, I I put a gif up on on Twitter of it. It looks absolutely horrible. Where where did the money go, Scott? Where did all the money <laughs> we gave you go? <laughs> did you spend it all on mannequins? I feel like you didn't spend it all on mannequins. Yeah. Oh, 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 and they brought Gordon, Gorgon back to life. Oh, oh, so he was dead for one whole episode. Yeah, oh, not even that. He died at the end of the last episode, and they brought him back probably ten minutes into this one. That's quality <laughs> writing right there is what that is. But, but he earned it, guys. He earned it. <laughs> but, but of course. But of course. <laughs> Well, hot diggity damn. <laughs> and on that note, everybody, we've now uh, completed the Comic Multiverse bingo card by shitting on Inhumans for a little bit. Uh, we can talk, we can go on over to the main event, which is talking about the Thor Ragnarok. I saw it this week. I did a video review of it. Not enough of you watched it. I'm very disappointed yeah, no, in you. I know, not enough of you watched mine either. What's up with that? Do you, uh, again, let, let's talk some straight dope with the people there. Do, do, <laughs> do you like not care about movie reviews anymore when we do them? Like, seriously. Or was this just a thing where you already knew how you felt about Thor Ragnarok, so you didn't need to ask me? Yeah, did you, did you not want to be spoiled? Yeah, I know, right? I, I try not to spoil in my things. I know some people put like, oh, you know, spoiler review, non-spoiler review. I try not to. Yeah, I just I I had mild spoilers in mine, and that's yeah. it. You had mild spoilers in your video, and you had big spoilers for me last week. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked me over, and a bunch of people. I'm like, I'm sitting there in the theater. I'm like, Matt's full of shit. Matt was lying to me. That's not gonna happen. Oh, it was much worse than Matt said. <laughs> it was far worse. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, they uh the the movie is called Thor Ragnarok and they sell the apocalyptic nature of the whole thing by basically slaughtering all of Thor's supporting cast. Yeah, basically hitting the reboot button on it on on characters that didn't really appear in the other movies and weren't really important but people somehow still wanted to complain about them. Except for Sif though, which are we to believe that Sif is gone to her little like Agents of Shield cameo while all of this is happening? 
Well, I, I know the act- actress explained it is they couldn't get her because of scheduling co- conflicts, but I, I imagine they pro- if they do bring her back, it might be on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and she might have been away from... Right. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe Thor sent her to look for the stones with him, like, off to another part of the galaxy or something. Because they did state in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that she's like, oh, yeah, I'm here on behalf of Odin. He sent me for a mission. It's like, ah, but obviously Odin is Loki. Yeah. And it's been Loki this whole time. Yeah, so maybe she she could also be on a mission for for Odin, quote-unquote. Yeah. Again. It's, uh, it's funny, too, where it's like, you know, oh, you know, Loki has been Odin for all this time while Thor's been away dealing with Ultron and all these other things. What what evil, dastardly plans is he enacting? <laughs> oh, oh, a, a play starring Sam Neill. Yeah, and Matt Damon. <laughs> and Matt Damon, where it's like, wow, this is, th- th- this really tells you so much about the Loki character. All he wants <laughs> is for people to like him. Yeah, and, and and he has like a big big statue of himself erupted on the Bifrost and yep. of of Loki because he's he's celebrating Loki's sacrifice and how great <laughs> he was. And I'm like, how wonderfully mischievous, and it also like really deals where it's like, how how are we going to accept Loki being Thor's like you know uh, comically mismatched buddy for the rest of this movie? Oh oh, that's how by showing that he's more pathetic <laughs> than evil <laughs> by making him the god of mischief again. I'm like, yeah, that's wonderfully mischievous. Isn't it? That's, that's good joke, brah. Good, good joke. He's got them all. Uh, how funny is it too? Uh, what is there that they just open with Surtur in like Muselheim? I, I like that. It shows that, that, that there's been some type of journey that we might not get to see at all. Um, but it's hinted at, obviously, at the end of Age of Ultron and all, this, all the other stuff. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. They just drop you into it like a comic would. Yes, voiced by Clancy Brown. How awesome was that? Yeah. Didn't really sound like him, though. They did some voice no. modulation on him, so it didn't sound like him. They modulated him, but you could kind of tell it's it's the urs that he does, that you know it's him. Yeah. No rules his urs like Clancy Brown does. Yeah, yeah. It's great, too, that basically the whole... Oh, jeez, my camera went unfocused there for a second. I was, I was rocking too hard. Uh, I, I like the idea that, like, Thor is very hard at work being like, oh, I gotta crack the case of these Infinity Stones, man. I gotta figure this out. Oh, shit, Ragnarok's happening. Like, he got sidetracked by his sidetrack. <laughs> yeah, and again, it was great because it referenced that um that flashback thingy he had in age of ultron so they're sort of bringing that back with that that had a payoff yeah he's been hard at work this whole time in between movies when you haven't seen him yep everyone else is fighting their civil wars he's trying to work this shit out uh man i was not expecting them to break his hammer so early in the movie like they break it super early like i thought that was like our gonna be like act two there's no coming back now yeah, they yeah they took it off him pretty quickly. I guess they needed to because the hammer at times can become like a a, a Deus Ex Machina sort of thing crutch. where it's it's a crutch and it's like oh why don't you just use the hammer to get out of this or something? In fact, you know, by taking away the hammer early on, they basically break Thor down to nothing and spend the rest of the movie rebuilding him into a brand new character by the end. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing is, as well, when he did have the hammer, they they used it really well, much better than the other films have. Even the Avengers films, where in that film he was just like hitting people with mm-hmm. it. This one, they they did some really cool stuff with, He's doing like all in the, the first tricks and everything. Yeah, 
like we haven't seen that stuff since the first film. Yeah, I, I saw the movie with someone else, and they're like, you know, I never really respected Thor's hammer or understood why he used it the way he did. This movie made me understand, then took it away from him. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the, there's kind of an under... And, like, Thor needing to rebuild himself is kind of key to what I saw as the underlining theme of the movie, and that is the quest to be remembered and, like, the quest to be important, and Thor doesn't think he's important anymore or that he will matter when he doesn't have his hammer anymore. Yeah, and it's kind of the opposite with Loki, where he thinks he's important when really isn't. Yeah, and that he wants people to like him, and he wants to be the center of attention and be remembered as this hero, only to be like, dude, if you want to be remembered as a hero, you got to do heroic stuff, which he does by the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Even Hela, who I got to say, easily jumps to the top of the list of, like, better Marvel villains. Her Mm -hmm. whole deal is that she's like, oh, I'm going to take over the world. Wait, you guys don't remember me? You don't remember any of the stuff I did? Well, fuck. I gotta make you all remember me. She was kind of sympathetic because she's kind of been, like, tossed aside by her father because it's revealed that she's Thor's sister and Odin's first child. Bit of a retcon, but not much of a retcon because Hela's ancestry has always been up in the air in the comics. They say that she's the daughter of Loki, but they've never, like, expressedly said it's true. Mm Mm-hmm. So to, so to keep the familial connection but to move it to Odin makes a lot of sense. And also, they kind of get closer to comic book Odin here than anywhere else by him just being a big dickbag who acts he's like, no, I actually did a lot of <laughs> evil stuff and lied about it. Oh, I'm dead now. can't do anything. <laughs> oh, no. What a shame. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. Like, like, Odin totally pulls a karma Houdini where it's like, yeah, I totally built a giant empire by killing a bunch of people from other worlds, but you can't hold me accountable. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disappear into space dust. <laughs> yeah, I- I'm dead now, but maybe I'm not because Asgardians are always being reborn. I guess it depends if they want Hopkins for the next movie. <laughs> I mean, he can clearly see Thor in his head. That's the thing that happens. Mm-hmm, yeah. Also, with Thor getting more powerful in this movie, they basically give him the Odin Force or Thor Force without really giving it a name. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what it is, and it it, it it goes on to show that like he always had that power, and his 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 father even says, "You're not the god of hammers; you're the god of thunder." Brilliant line! Like that line's so good, I'm surprised it's not from the comic. Like, you know who needs to hear that? Thor in the comics right now needs to hear that. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm anything without my hammer, and Jane's doing a good job, and I just don't know if I matter anymore, dude. You're the god of thunder, not the god of hammers. The power was always in you. <laughs> like he legit needs to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, who knows? He he might. He might. That's the thing. I mean, hey, you know, multi-cross media getting closer than ever. Uh, Doctor Strange also stops by for a hell of a cameo. Yeah, he's gotten kind of OP. He really has. He's become the Doctor Strange we all wanted him to be at the end of his movie. Yeah, and I, I saw people kind of complaining about it, Me but it too. would make sense that, that he would be in it because he even states he's been making a list of all these people who, who could probably fuck over the world and Loki and Thor are on it because they're god aliens mm-hmm. so when they when they appear on earth he's gonna know i i read all the same complaints who were like oh and that dr strange uh, cameo was completely pointless i bet you're the same person who if there wasn't a cameo you'd complain oh well this is supposed to be a bigger universe but why do no other heroes show up yeah yeah why didn't they show up when they were in in new york again 
very much like a comic book. Other heroes will stop by for a quick cameo just to be like, hey, come read my book and then leave. It's the same basic deal. Hey, me, Doctor Strange, didn't see my movie? Maybe you should. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know who I am, go see this. Yeah, I, I'm important and will continue to be important. <laughs> That's what my takeaway from it was. Uh, Scourge actually getting kind of a very interesting little subplot and again tying into that bigger theme of wanting to be remembered and wanting to matter. Yeah, he he was really surprised because going into the film, I thought, oh, he's just going to be, you know, end of the second, end of the second, at start of the third henchman who Thor's going to have to defeat without his hammer, but didn't end up like that. He actually got a really cool story. He did, which was shocking to actually see them put so much uh, effort into a smaller character and to have him be redeemed and be a hero in his own right by the end of things. Yeah, I, I like Carl Urban. Like ex- explained him, he's he's like a he's like a, an Asgardian redneck. Yeah, he really is. Even down <laughs> to loving assault rifles. Yeah, yeah, Des and Troy. Des and Troy, you <laughs> put them together, right? I got it from a planet called Texas. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. That, that's another thing we got to talk about. I know going into this movie, a lot of people said like, "Oh, it's the funniest Marvel movie to date." Like, "Oh, it's funnier than Guardians." It was always pleasant, and it was always chuckle-worthy, but it's a very different brand of humor. It's a very Taiko Watiti, like, you know, Flight of the Concords, New Zealand-ish type of humor. It's humor that me as an Australian would get, and yeah. obviously New Zealanders would get, and while I was worried that people overseas in Canada and America might not get it, they apparently did get it. It's a very specific type of humor. Like, it's not... Like uh, Guardians, where it's like a lot of sight gags and like a f- lot of funny haha. It's more like you know awkward silences, ongoing mm-hmm. jokes, like like the Doug bit. The Doug bit was my favorite joke. Yeah, like, yeah, Doug and and Meek and Korg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Korg was great. Korg was great. Korg was wonderful. What I found out about Korg is that the director actually did all the motion capture for, uh, for yeah. Korg. Yeah, and I think he also did some for um, uh, Hulk as well. Would make sense. That's cool. I mean, hey, if I was directing a movie like this, I'd be like, yeah, put me in the gray pajamas. I want to do some stuff. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about Hulk, too, because, you know, he's like the other main character of this movie that had many main characters, actually. It was probably one of the best, like, divvied up in, like, time for everybody. I would say this might be the closest we've ever gotten to, like, Peter David's version of the Hulk on the big screen. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say that as well. It, you know, it's also great for Ruffalo, who gets to give a performance like completely as the Hulk. He gets to really dive into that character. Yeah, it's more Hulk than it is Banner, more more so than the other films have been, where they've been all Banner and less Hulk. And also tying into that theme of mattering and being important, Hulk is really getting down on himself, being like, oh, you know, they think I'm the dumb Avenger, they all hate and fear me, I'm just gonna stay on Gladiator World where I'm a celebrity and people like me for my smashing. Yeah, yeah, and and that brings in a really cool sort of thing where Banner, when he changes back, he doesn't know if he changes into the Hulk again, whether the Hulk will basically kill off Banner. Yeah, they're bringing the idea that they play with a ton in the comics, but never really in the movie, and that is, hey, these are two very different split personalities that are constantly at odds with each other. In fact, we get glimpses of it here in this movie, and that is that the Hulk hates Banner most of all. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's sort of played in t- with his story and everything, and that leads into, obviously, what we're going to be doing with him in Avengers and Avengers 4 and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, most uh, most definitely. Uh, oh man, Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster, wonderfully <laughs> weird. He he was born to play this character. He really was. I mean, he it's like, hey, play it like an alien. No, don't play it like an alien. Just play it like yourself. Yeah, play it like Jeff Goldblum would. Oh, oh yeah. See, I'm I'm, I'm the Grandmaster. You know, I'm the ruler <laughs> uh, of Sakar. Which, which is a wonderful pl- uh, pastel-colored hellhole where there's always a synthesizer playing in the background. <laughs> oh, you know what else was a nice touch? So I, so I liked this movie so much that when I got home, I'm like, oh, I gotta see Hunt for the Wilder People, which was Watiti's other movie. The villain in Hunt for the Wilder People, the female... Uh, yeah, the police it? officer. Yeah, social services woman. Yeah, is Grandmaster's heavy in this movie? <laughs> yeah, she that actor uh, Rachel House. She's been in all of Tyker's movies. I think since I think, except for one, she's like yeah. Here's she's like um, oh, what's that actor's name? I can't remember. But she. I was gonna say it reminds me a lot of Wes Anderson casting the same people over and over again. Yeah, yes, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Is it fair to call Watiti like the uh, New Zealand Wes Anderson? Uh, he's a little less pretentious. Uh, yeah, you know, that's. I was thinking about that because, like, uh, Anderson's movies are like you know usually uh, focused on like a lot of like wealthy characters, like very stuffy, stick up their ass characters. With Titi's movies, they're all, like, very working-class people and very, like, grungy, down-to-earthness. Like, he never forgot where he came from. Like, I don't know his background, but I feel like maybe he had a bit of a harsher background, judging by the types of stories he tells. Yeah, he tells just stories just about normal people. Or, yeah. like, if they're not normal, like, what we do with the shadows is about vampires, but he made them normal people. Made them super normal and super relatable. Yeah, there's the, there's a wonderful blue-collar charm to this, and it kind of comes over into Thor, too, in a way. Because, again, they build him up. You know, you see this, like, uh, gladiator slave resistance and everything. It's 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 very cool. He is uniquely suited to telling stories about space Vikings because it's so weird and so quirky, but he also brings it down to earth in a really meaningful way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. Like I hope this guy does more, and I hope they I hope Marvel continues to just find weird outsider artists to helm these movies. I hope he gets another Marvel movie or like mm. sticks around to help out for some other stuff. Yeah, that would be because just even just stylistically alone, where it's like wow. Thor Ragnarok was a treat for the eyes. Like everything was beautiful. Oh yeah, it was. It was absolutely breathtaking. Some of the stuff they're doing. Even they even made Asgard look really nice, uh, like nicer than it was before in all the other movies. Oh yeah. The uh, the bit that made me laugh, and I'm like, man, you know, all these colors and you know, interesting characters. This is like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but I'm seeing it for the first time. <laughs> then they do the boat scene for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, even down to the music, and I'm like, holy shit! Yeah, that that, that was pretty cool. I'm like, wow, they're going for it in this one. Uh, that big space chase they have, like when they're trying to escape Sakaar and everything. That's a really exciting chase. Yeah, and and um, as some other people have said, and I agree with them as well. It's like it, any other movie that would look the same, and it would look the same. But it's the music that helps that thing because it's not the usual chase music. It's the synthy, oh, yeah. Marth, uh, Mark Mothersbrath, Devo sort of synthy music. 
yeah, the, the soundtrack on this one is a winner. Now, it's not like Guardians of the Galaxy where it's almost like a jukebox musical where it's like every different song informs it. It's like really, really mood music is what it does. It really puts you in the mood. Now, that's not to say they don't have some killer songs in it, though. They use uh, Led Zeppelin's The Immigrant Song not once but twice to amazing effect for when the action kicks off. Yeah, that was really cool. Both times were really cool. And again, too, I'm just like, man... I, I never really thought it, but yeah, this song is totally about Thor, talking about, you know, Hammer of the Gods and all this other stuff. It's like a song that was tailor-made for Thor. <laughs> uh, power is kind of another big theme of it, and that is, you know, we've never seen Thor more powerful here. We've never seen the Hulk more powerful, and the fight they have in the movie, the big gladiator thing you've seen in all the commercials, I mean, I think that'll easily go down as one of the best superhero fight scenes of the year. It was pretty good. It was really well shot. You could tell what was happening with everything. Um, and that it was even full of, like, references and, like, cues from other movies. Like, like Thor tries to use Black Widow's sort of calming technique on Thor, on Hulk to get him to calm down. So fun. They do it several times, too, and they turn it, again, into an on-running joke, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah. They even revisit the whole puny god thing, only for Loki to be like, yeah, yeah, how do you like it? <laughs> Jerk. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just, again, just, just just a lot of, like, stuff like that. And, oh, oh, we haven't even talked about the other new character who actually surprised the shit out of me, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and I don't I don't know whether you noticed it as well, but in, in the movie, in her backstory, when we see those really cool slow-mo scenes, we see a Valkyrie that is actually the real Valkyrie. Or the one the, everyone the, knows from the comics, the, one, the blonde one. Yeah, who was, who's, it, I think it might have been cut out of the movie, but was like in a relationship with this yes. Valkyrie or something, and sacrificed herself for, yeah, yeah. for this Valkyrie, because this... Tessa Thompson's character isn't actually named Valkyrie. She is a Valkyrie. A Valkyrie, but not the Valkyrie that we know from the comics. And you know what? Yeah. I'm fine with that, because as much as I yeah. like comic Valkyrie, she has a really needlessly fucking confusing backstory. Yeah, and I, I like that they, they did that, because it's, it's kind of having the character but not having the character it's having can... it's the definition of having your cake and eating it too and it's such a minor yeah. character where it's like you know most non-comic fans won't be able to tell the difference and comic fans who do know the difference like you and me will be like oh that's that's clever you worked around that all right all right yeah 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 it was good yeah but i i enjoyed her character as well and again it is it was it was about being important and yes. finding your place of being important and everything and being remembered and being remembered for the right things she was also really take no shit she kept up with thor and loki she was kind of a good foil to everyone on the cast where you know everyone else didn't really seem to care that much about anything where they were all just kind of like eh, whatever but you know when it was time to go for her she you know really went she even gets like the cool suit up montage that's usually meant for like the leads yeah yeah i i, I liked her new her valkyrie costume i guess good. is what you'd call it I, yeah uh, I, I think there was a lot of theories shooting around that they actually had bigger plans for valkyrie than just being in the thor movies and it definitely looks that way the way they pay a lot of like special interest to her yeah well i i imagine she'd be in infinity war uh, judging by the end of the, the movie yeah she's pretty important yeah. They definitely build up her importance in a big way. Um, oh, excuse me. What are some other cool things from it? Uh, what haven't we covered yet? Um, 
cool action bits, cool music. Uh, oh, I mean, I, I guess we can just cut ahead to this one here. You know, one of the big complaints about all the Marvel movies that aren't either Avengers or Captain America is that they don't ever really do anything that has any long-lasting effect. <laughs> they destroy all of Asgard in this movie. Yeah, and, and not not one of those things where, like, a couple of buildings, you know, fall down and it's, oh, it's destroyed. They destroyed the to- entire realm. It's gone. Like, it's gone, gone. Yeah, it's no longer there. And I wonder if maybe that was, like, the place that the Guardians visit in that leaked Infinity War trailer. Mm, yeah, like, they're, like, trying to pick over the bones for it. They're like, hey, anything good to steal here? Yeah, I... That was really cool that they were able to do that. They brought, obviously, Surtur back. And, again, it was really cool because it was a reference to that Age of Ultron flash forward where uh, Heimdall tells Thor he's going to be responsible for Ragnarok. And in this case, he is. He totally, totally was. We got to see Asgard in flames, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, and and they had to do that to defeat the villain, which which is something that doesn't happen very often. No, not very often at all. I mean, they really did make Hela a very strong, very formidable foe, which, you know, is something that has been a little bit hard in the Marvel movies because it's always been like the villains are a bit of an afterthought because it's like, oh, stories about the hero, the villain is a hurdle they have to overcome. Here, the villain had her own side story and kind of had her own thing going on, and she was funny, that's another thing. Like, usually you have, like, uh, Hammer as a funny villain, but he was never threatening. Hela was funny and threatening. And the thing is, she was funny not in the goofy, haha way that some villains have come off as. She was funny in that, like, she didn't understand. Like, why why doesn't anyone here know about me? What the hell's yeah. going on here? And that sort of stuff. She w- wasn't goofy funny. Yeah, she wasn't, like, a dope funny. Like, uh, what is it? I'm trying to think. Like, oh, the uh, Tantalath the Pursuer from Guardians, who he gets a laugh when he's like, who? 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, she's funny, but she's not a goofball, and that's like, uh, that's an interesting line to walk. Um, uh, oh, uh, another cool thing there, uh, friggin' uh, one that stands out to me, Hulk fighting Fenris Wolf there, and like, basically suplexing a giant wolf over a waterfall. <laughs> that, that was a pretty cool fight. That was a really cool fight. At that moment, I'm like, okay, you are officially fucking metal now, Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> A giant green man just friggin' suplexed a wolf. <laughs> and then almost falls off the edge of the world, but then comes his way back. Yeah, that that was pretty cool. But yeah, all, all the characters in this got to actually be powerful. They did. There was, this is probably like one of the best shared movies for like everyone getting their time. Yeah, and yeah, they were. And even like, even um. Idris Elba's Heimdall got a really yes. cool story where he's like running this resistance of Asgard and everything. I, like I thought that was lot. pretty cool. I like that a hell of a lot. I'm like, oh shit, even he has stuff to do. And he gets to swing that awesome sword around, which is always good. Yeah. Again, it, it was. I think I think even Idris Elba complained like he had nothing to do in the last two Thor films. This one he does. <laughs> I, I watch the door. Uh, another thing, you know, this was a whole movie where you didn't get the regular supporting cast. No Jane, no no Mew Mew, no, uh, what is it, Doctor there. They the, the Earth characters all stayed on Earth this time. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> Probably for the better, because it's like, that was always the thing where it's like, man, even Thor's sidekicks have sidekicks. <laughs> yeah, and, and the sidekicks we do get, like the Warriors 3, and all, they all die horrible they, deaths. They all die dark, horrible deaths. Which, man, like, that really, like, right off the bat, they're like, no, 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 this, this shit's serious this time. 
Yeah, I, I do like that. That Hogan was like the only one who was able to like go toe to toe with Hela. Mm. and it kind of makes sense because he was like the leader of the the Asgardian armies or something. He should be good. Yeah, and he got a that, cool fight that, scene too. Yeah, that that actual fight with with Hela, like just, just killing all of Asgard's army, was pretty cool. It really was. I, I like that Hela has infinite swords. She's got like a game genie <laughs> on her, so she just has all the swords <laughs> all the time. And even at the end of the movie, giant sword. Yeah, that that, that was pretty cool. And it, the part after that as well, where she goes and gets her undead army. I like how she's going through the the vault and she sees the the Infinity Gauntlet, says it's a fake, and all that. Uh, that that cask of ancient winters is kind of weak. Yeah, filling filling in probably the greatest plot hole of the Marvel Cinematic Universe to date, and that is why. What, why does Odin have one, but why does Thanos have one? What's the deal with that? Are there two? Is it like a glove for each hand, but there's only enough stones for one? <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So once again, Odin was a dick and a liar, and he's had a fake Infinity Gauntlet <laughs> this whole time. He's like one of those guys who buys fake art or shit and like holds it up <laughs> like it's something important and makes you look at it. <laughs> That was pretty solid. Uh, did you know uh, for that final bit there with like the space arc when Loki and Korg and all those other guys get on board? And did you know apparently there was a cut scene with Beta Ray Bill on there? He was supposed to be a janitor for that space arc. Apparently, yeah. Which sounds hilarious, but I can understand where they're like, no, 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 no. Beta Ray Bill should get his own movie thing. We shouldn't just put him in right here at the end. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think I did see Kevin Feige say something like he does. He's a character who deserves like bigger than just a, a cameo. I could totally see for four or for Thor for Thor four if they end up doing that one. The joke will be it's like oh hey we finally forged you a new hammer King Thor. Oh shit he's not worthy of it. Beta Ray Bill gets it instead. <laughs> yeah, the janitor. <laughs> the janitor gets it, and the janitor ends up being a better Thor, because that's kind of like an underlining joke of these movies, where it's like, honestly, there's other people who could probably be better at Thor's job than him. <laughs> and that could kind of be like his thing, where it's like, no, I'm king, but I don't even feel good about it anymore. I wish I just had my hammer doing stuff. This guy's running around being Thor, and it's bullshit. <laughs> I want to be Thor again, not just yeah. King. Uh, I, I, I guess like well, we've been talking about spoilers for yeah. however long now, but um, I guess we should talk about Thor losing an eye. Yeah, he loses a goddamn. That is a huge change that they just can't hand wave away. Yeah, losing an eye, and what's even great is in all the stuff we've seen him in Infinity War and everything, they've CGI'd it out yeah. to hide it. That's really cl- like we know that Marvel is tricky like that. Like the bit where Hela breaks his hammer in the trailer, she's clearly in a city. Not in the movie, she's not. Yeah, well, that that was a reshot. That 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 was a reshoot. They decided to reshoot it and make it into Norway because then we can actually have Asgard now on Earth. Yes. In Norway, like in the comics. Yeah, yeah, not a not a bad uh, not a bad trade off, eh? I'm cool with that. Yeah, but yeah, he he's he's lost an eye. He's got no hammer. He has the Odin Force, but no hammer. <laughs> I, uh, I I gotta say, so I mean, I think by and large we really liked this one. Is there anything we didn't like? Uh, not really. It was very, very pleasant. I enjoyed my time there. I enjoyed my hour or 20 minutes or whatever the runtime was. I wish I could have something negative to say. Yeah, I, I, I had fun, which is a word I shouldn't be using to describe no. these movies because that's a bad word. It's a very bad word now. Nothing nothing can be joyous and uplifting anymore, especially in these times that we live. 
yeah yeah uh but yeah no there wasn't really anything that i didn't like about the film yeah it was it was just solid it was just it just was good yeah yeah nothing more to say about that i don't know if it cracks my personal top 10 maybe it does it's been a while since i've actually sat down and ranked all these movies yeah i think maybe i might need to go back and maybe watch some of them again I mean, it's definitely the most substantial. I would say it is every bit as substantial as, like, a Captain America sequel, so it's definitely one of the most important ones. It's definitely the best Thor movie by a mile, even though I actually yep. quite enjoy Thor 1, and I know I'm the weird odd man out on that one. That was actually probably my favorite Phase 1 movie. Yeah, I like Thor. I like Thor 1 as well. It had Foo Fighters on the soundtrack. <laughs> I also respect them for being like this late in the game to be like, you know what? Let's completely lose all the sword and sorcery stuff that we've couched these movies in from day one. Let's just go full bore cosmic now. Yeah, cosmic sci-fi, weird space viking sort of thing. Yeah. And it works. It works. I think uh, I think Jack Kirby would be proud too with all the design choices and shit in this one. Oh, so some of the stuff on Sakaar was just like pulled from like Jack Kirby's pages. Which is hilarious because we're also going to be getting Parademons and New Gods and shit in Justice League coming out soon which is also drawing a lot of inspiration from Jack Kirby and you can already see the palpable difference in their approaches. <laughs> Yeah, they don't look like new gods. No, no, not really. I saw one clip that's been making the rounds uh, from, like, the talk show circuit, and it's like, oh, you get your first real good look at, uh, what is it, Steppenwolf, and I'm like, oh, oh, he looks like Ivan Ooze with a sunburn. (laughs) (sighs) And he's he's all CGI as well, so he's going to have that weird sort of sheen to him. I, I will say of that clip I saw, I'm sorry I talked so much shit about Ares in the final battle of Wonder Woman. I didn't know how good I had it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I take everything back I said from Professor Lupin Ares. I'm sorry. That was actually very cool. At least that was like an actual person. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, we got. I got two weeks for that one. I'm get. You'll see it first because you always fucking see it first. You'll. See I, it I think I get it. At like like just the day before you i see it on like the the 16th or something comes out the 17th god we're gonna be busy in the next couple weeks matt because not next week but the following week it'll be a justice league spoiler cast and then the week after that we'll have punisher to talk about oh god yeah jeez i keep forgetting like oh god and punisher's coming out too Oh, God. <laughs> oh, well, then we don't have to do anything till February, though, when Black Panther comes No, out. no, we got stuff in December. We got Star Wars, man. Oh, fuck, that's right. And also, <laughs> God, they just, they just want us to live at the movie theater now, don't they, all these major companies? <laughs> they do. The hype machine never stops. They just want us to live at the theater forever now for these movies. <laughs> I'm trying to think, yeah. I'm like, is there anything I can skip? And I'm like, uh, whenever they end up doing that new Hellboy movie, I don't think I need to see that. No, nah, probably not. I'll see Pacific Rim, but I'm not going to rush out and see Pacific Rim. No. What to, What else can I in all good conscience be like, nah, I'm going to save some money this week and stay in? <laughs> it's fine. Uh, pro- yeah, pro- there's probably some movies coming out in February and January, because, you know, fuck you, it's January. Fuck you, it's January. In fact, you know, before we wind down the show this week, let's actually take a look. January 2017 movies. <laughs> What's coming out in the great month of fuck you, it's January? 
Endless trash. Yeah, endless trash. Yeah, because for those of you who don't know, uh, January traditionally is a dumping ground for studios where they jump out uh, all the movies they don't uh, particularly feel, uh, what is it, confident about. It's usually January and like the start, like the end and start of October, September, October. Yeah. Is where they. So that's like it. that's like when all like that the like really shitty horror films come out. Yeah. All right. So what do we got for January? Oh, is is Infinity War in freaking January? Have, have we been talking no, shit this but, whole? Time? No, it's in it's in May. May, right? Of course. Okay. See, I'm reading an old ass IMDb thing that's wrong. <laughs> Infinity War in January? God damn. No, it's in May because I think it comes out like. Like, I think the Han Solo film comes out, and then Infinity War a couple of weeks after, or vice versa. Okay, here we go. So in January, uh, again, they don't even have all the movies that are coming at you, but it looks like the biggest one that's coming out in January is The Maze Runner, The Death Cure. Oh, is that that movie they filmed, like, three years ago, but stopped because, like, the lead actor got in a car accident or something? Something like (laughs) that. The Maze Runner movies have been very weird. Yeah, they still think young adult novels are hot. I know, right? It's like, wow, you guys were really late to the party, weren't you? <laughs> and yet you still hear stuff where it's like, yeah, you know, we're going to be making another line, Witch in the Wardrobe movie, and you're like, really? Yeah, yeah. and for some reason, Joe Johnson has chosen that as his last film. Wow. <laughs> what a way to go out. Yeah, for real, man. I swear, the I'm line doing with... the sequel to a nine-year-old film. <laughs> the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, is I almost respect them for, like, not giving up. Where it's like, look, <laughs> we, we came in the game to chase that Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings money. We didn't do it, but then we kept coming back. <laughs> it's like that old Willie Nelson quote, if you fail at something long enough, eventually you become a legend. <laughs> and indeed, these movies are legendary now. Yeah, they're trying to fill the gap. They 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 waited out the Hunger Games and the Twilights, and <laughs> we're just waiting to to, to strike. <laughs> they're they're just sitting there behind the hill where it's like, no no no, these <laughs> these young adult novels, these based on a famous book series. Nah, man, we're gonna we're gonna let them knock each other out, and then we're gonna come over the hill and line which in the wardrobe, gonna plant our flag. <laughs> they're not even particularly bad movies or anything. They're fine. They're all fine. It's just like, who is this for? Yeah, the people who the original films were for are like our age now, so they don't particularly care about them anymore. It's like any anyone who would really have cared has super moved on by now. <laughs> and speaking of moving on, I think it's time to bring this show to a conclusion, don't you, Matt? I think so. So again, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for putting your questions forward. I'm glad we got a chance to read those. It's always nice to do those when there's like a uh, gap in the week due to news and everything. Uh, If you're a patron, you will get to listen to this episode right away, Sunday night, usually around midnight by the time we're done. Uh, You'll get the audio version to carry around. You'll get the video version to watch, which Matt is nice enough to put up for you as well. Uh, Everyone else gets it Wednesday at 8 a.m. If you want to become a patron, you can head on down into the description. Uh, Anyone can become a patron. You can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. I got the Patreon money today, so I paid Matt and I paid everything else that was outstanding. So thank you, everyone, so much for that. That's very much appreciated. You help the show continue. Uh, Everyone else, if you're looking for another way to support the show but you can't afford uh, something like that or you don't feel comfortable with it, uh, Matt and I also have book depository links 
down in the description. Uh, every time you buy a book, a small percentage supports us, and once we hit a certain threshold, we get paid some money. So you get something, we get something, everybody gets something, and we're all happy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anything coming out from you, Matt, that you want to promote? Anything in particular? Um, uh, I, I'm going to Comic-Con this weekend. Hey. Um, so looking forward to that. I, I didn't get Media Pass because this particular Comic-Con is really snooty about it. Mm. Um, uh, whereas everyone else is happy, happy to oblige. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to go meet Stan Lee. Nice. I think it's his last time in Australia ever because he's, he's getting pretty old. Yeah, so. he's got to hop on that. That's going to be a really sad day one day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I think, like, they'll, they'll need to make that a holiday. Oh, shoot, we didn't talk about that. Stan Lee had an amazing cameo in Ragnarok, too. <laughs> he did. He was the one for Thor's haircut. <laughs> Probably his most active cameo in this one. Yeah, I think this is, like, one of the first cameos he's actually sort of talked with the the, the, the main actor. Yeah, he's, like, super interacted. Yeah. It was nice. So, yeah, that's cool. Go, <coughs> go see Stan Lee and get a picture. Yeah, I, I'm getting. I've got. I've got a picture and an autograph already lined up. Nice, that's awesome. Uh, for me, uh, same as usual. Got reviews coming out from the channel. Hope everyone likes mm -hmm. and respects those. Respect, yep. my, respect my authority. Respect my. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's really it for me. I'm not doing anything special in the next little bit. But uh, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed giving it to you. We'll be back again next week. Same comic multiverse time. Same comic multiverse place. See ya. Bye bye.